Hello, this is Joe Watkins and Travis Castle coming to you from the Big Truths of Small Business podcast, and we are bringing in my pastor, Jonathan Anderson, today with uh, Harvest Point United Methodist Church. And uh, Jonathan, it's good to have you. Yeah, great to be on here with you guys. It's a, uh, we are in, uh, is it Hampton, Georgia, or is this Locust Grove over there? We are, the church is, is well, it's, it's nearest Hampton. It has a Locust Grove address, and McDonald's the biggest city near it. So I just kind of use all of them when I'm saying where the church is. Cool. We've got Jonathan, as you could probably tell, on the phone um, as uh, we're, we're trying to keep our distance here. But Jonathan, before we got started, I had you were the first one, and this audience is the first one to hear the new Big Truths of Small Business song. You ready? Here it goes. Mm. We got the truth. We got the truth. We got the truth of small business. We got the truth. We got the truth. We got the big truths of small business. Sponsored by Yes I Rent. Yes I Rent. Yes I Rent. Property management. Place good tents and collect your rent. Maintain your properties and account for it. Truth. We got the truth. We got the truths. We got the big truths. Small business sponsored by SIREN. Whoa, the new song. That gets me excited. All right. <laughs> That's very long. It won't be that long next time, guys. I, I promise. But we were excited about that. We made that up last week. <laughs> You've been busy while you've been stuck inside. Yeah, yeah. The big truths of small business. All right. So, Travis, uh, Jonathan Anderson is our guest today. And, you know, it is it is Travis's purpose in life today to pull wow. some truths wow. from Jonathan, to dig deep, to to make some comparisons to what, you know, he does as a pastor of a, of a church. How, how many are in the congregation at, at Harvest Point? Um, you know, that's a, that's, a, that's a simple question with a long answer. It's like small business. <laughs> how do you account for different things? Right. Um, you know, generally people count average worship attendance. So average worship attendance on Sunday between 130, 150 adults plus uh, about 25 children. Uh, kind of fifth grade and under. Um, but that's on a week-to-week basis. The number that are connected in some level to our church is a lot larger than that. Gotcha. Yeah, because there's, there's, there's ones that don't come every week, but they're still kind of in the number. Um, mm-hmm. Well, we, we thought that in the seeking of truths in small business, we thought that how cool it would it be to to sort of think about the church as a small business. And I know this topic is, is probably, probably discussed uh, often, but uh, you know, with different opinions around it, but in many, many ways, uh, I guess I would suggest that the church is a small business in many, many ways and, Mm -hmm. and has to, has to do a lot of things that small business uh, guys have to do and deal with. And uh, I don't know, just, just that generically spoken, what's your response to that? Jonathan, would you make yeah, that I comparison? Think, yeah, I think, um, you know, there, I think you said it well, there are a lot of aspects about church life that are similar to a small business 
especially in terms of operations, back-end things, processes, procedures. Um, you know, it, the, the comparison breaks down at a level because a small business, ultimately the goal is profitability and, um, you know, generally financial in nature. Whereas with the church, um, the goals are a little different. And I would say our goal is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. You know, if we end the year with zero dollars in the bank and we, we made disciples, it's a good year for us. If you're a small business and you have a lot of properties and you have no money, maybe that's, you know, that, that's right. not good. But I think generally, yeah, there's definitely um, comparisons to be made between a small business and a church for sure. Wow, Jonathan, you just ruined all my questions. That was the best answer. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Jonathan gave a great answer. Now, I, when we were talking about questions, Jonathan, I know that uh, that small that you know the idea of church and business, and I have a lot of pastor buddies. Um, I know it, 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 there's just a lot of different opinions on that, but I mean, I think your point was right. Mm-hmm. I mean, how you are running, I guess, an organization with people, mm-hmm. and, and in terms, it's you know similar in all those aspects. But the end game's not necessarily the same, I guess. But that that does lead me to another question. Well, do we, do we want before we get yeah. deeper into the into the in the small business? Side, I would like for for yeah. for Jonathan to give us a a five minute sort of lead up to this church overview of of who he is, where he came from, what's going on in his life. Let's introduce Jonathan to to the audience, and that'll be a, a better foundation to dig into the truths here. Okay, John- great. Well. Um- I am the son of two parents who ran small businesses the majority of their lives. So uh, I was born in Conyers where my mom worked for my grandfather uh, at an insurance company he started that later uh, she kind of took over herself selling insurance. Um, Down the street in another office was my father and grandmother running um, a local motel and a local uh a hardware supply store. And so, uh, grew up around small businesses, grew up in the church there, Conyers First United Methodist Church. And it was when I was in middle school that I actually felt called to ministry. And so, um, from a very young age, I, if you'd asked me when I was 13, where I would be now, um, at 33, today's actually my birthday. Um, then I would have happy birthday. Wow. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I would have probably said, you know what, I'll, I'll be a pastor somewhere in the state of Georgia, and here I am. So um, it hasn't been a straight line getting from 13 years old feeling called by God to be a pastor to now, um, but the trajectory is kind of set. Um, and so I was always very heavily involved in my church as, um, as a youth and as I grew up and then went on to Furman University in Greenville, South Carolina, where I got a degree in political science. And um, people told me, you know, you're going to get, you're going to get the theology at seminary. So major in something else along the way so that you're a little more well-rounded and just have a little more experiences. And then from there, I went on to Duke Divinity School where I got my graduate degree um, in theology there, Masters of Divinity, then served a church up in Buford, Georgia for five years as associate pastor. Um, before coming down to Hamilton Mill, I'm oh, sorry, sorry, becoming that was Hamilton Mill, and I met the church. And then three years ago, um, my wife and I got married in May. Um, we moved in June and started Harvest Point. Um, started there as the pastor 
three years ago, this May coming up. And uh, in January, we had our first son. He was born. So this year, with our son being born and dealing with the transition of all of that, and then now the coronavirus, I've had no rhythm or regularity <laughs> in my life at all. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we're, we're, we're slowly but surely uh, figuring it all out along the way. Wow, I can't believe it's been three years already. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Three years and, uh, I mean, fairly newly married and now a new dad. Um, that's a lot, that's a lot going on. Um, yeah. And and, and then COVID-19 coming in at the same time, you got a, a, uh, the the baby was born when about 10 weeks ago, January 14th. Yep. Okay. Yep. So we've been, uh, we've been hunkered down during the season and, um, you know, trying to figure out what is, what is church look like now that we are socially distanced from one another, uh, which has been its own unique challenge. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Wow. What, what does that look like for you guys, Jonathan? I know there's been a bunch of churches with online stuff, streaming stuff. I've seen, um, drive-in theater type ideas mm-hmm. what were you landing on how to move forward in the short term yeah so so we had about 24 hours to figure it out um two weeks ago basically it was that thursday night no wednesday night travel from europe was banned thursday you know the ncaa canceled the tournament friday we made the decision for kind of the safety of the community to help stop the spread we're not going to worship publicly together so um the first week, we, we actually pre-recorded the service with a small group of people and debuted it on Sunday morning. And then last week, um, we went live. So I was live. I have, you can see, I have a mini studio in my house now mm. with a camera and lights. And, um, and so basically, through some software, we can bring in pre-recorded music. So if Joe recorded a song, we could actually play that live on Sunday morning. I'm doing it for you this week. The computer. All right. Um, and have other people bring in prayers. And so we're, we're kind of doing live and people, people seem to actually like the live better for the interaction and the intimacy during this time. And we do have the technology for driving church. Um, so that when things get better and maybe there's a transitional period, we have the FM transmitter needed. Uh, I got them before they sold out on Amazon. Uh, <laughs> nice. so that's, that's an idea we've toyed with, but our church, honestly, they're so friendly and like huggy and touchy. That's true. If we got together in the parking lot, I don't know that people could stay in their cars, just to be honest. Yeah. But you will have done your part in your social responsibility. <laughs> yeah. You can't, yeah. You can't prevent them if they're going to, if they're going to jump out of the car. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But I don't want to be known in the community as the church that spread the coronavirus. To yeah. The, hu- the huggy church one. there in Locust Grove, I think it's called Harvest Point. They were the <laughs> nucleus of coronavirus. And no, no, we don't want that. <laughs> Because they're such a huggy church. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard this question about business, but they often ask me about churches, you know, what do you want to be known for in the community? Or if you went around and asked people, what is this business or this church known for? What would they say? So, yes, my goal is not to be known. For the <laughs> yeah, you can exclude that. Well, that, that hey, perfect. So when I think of different churches, um, and, and again, we're talking about in context of small business and how how guys like uh, me and Joe can relate to what you're doing here. 
I think about my community, which is you know more Coweta County, Noonan, Georgia, right? That's kind of more mm-hmm. my version of this. Um, and somebody throws out the name to a church. Immediately, I kind of, you know, right or wrong, I've got a, a thought as to what that church, uh, what their brand is, I guess. I mean, I know mm-hmm. these are words aren't perfectly applicable, but I think, hey, that's the church and they, you know, they serve this part of this community. Or they have this, uh, you know, they have a pastor who has a particular cause or, or whatever, um, something unique. In terms of your church, what would you think, uh, when, and I don't know your church, when somebody says the name of your church, what do you think the community thinks of? I would, that's a great question. Um, and it's, uh, you know, I can give an answer, but it, you know, the fun experiment is to go ask people. And one, you know, they might say, what, what church is that? Um, and so actually when I got to the church three years ago, one of the Sundays I said, raise your hand if you've been here, if you've been a part of this church less than say two years and over half of the room raised their hand. And so part of our church's unique history is that for many years it was mobile. It was renting space. So met in the Eagles Landing area, met in the McDonough area, and then uh, a couple of years before I came, the church moved to a permanent location, which is, it's it's further down towards Hampton, a little more rural, a little further from the interstate. And so when the church moved there physically, it, it began reaching a lot of new people in that community. And so my big priority since I've been there is how do we make our presence known to the people around us? And so whether that's, you know, reaching out to the local high schools and saying, hey, can we serve your teachers? Can we serve the local communities? Um, it's just been trying to become known as a church that loves the community, that's for the community, and we're here if, if you need us. So if we're able to host a community event, you know, we're happy to do that. Um, so I want to be a church where people say, hey, they love the community, uh, even if they don't get anything from us. and on Sunday mornings in worship, our church definitely has uh, a unique feel compared to um, other, uh, you, you could say, large large mega churches that are kind of very edgy, very modern. And then on the other side, you have very traditional churches where everybody's dressed in a suit and tie. Our church is very much a melting pot of people from all different backgrounds, stages of life. Uh, we have some racial diversity, socioeconomic diversity, and uh, we do have modern worship. Um, it's a pretty laid back group of people. And so we're definitely kind of a come as you are church. You don't have to have your life cleaned up. You don't have to wear the right thing. You can just stroll in and we're going to welcome you and love you with the love of Jesus. And that's who we strive to be. And I don't know, Joe might have some different reflections. I haven't been there a few more years, but that's, that's kind of my read. And my, my take on things. Uh, a few things come to mind as I, as I heard you uh, talking about sort of, uh, you know, the fact that the church did move quite a bit. Um, I think before you came, we were in that building. Was it, just, it might've just been just one year, uh, mm. one or two years. I can't remember, but that was the, you know, the permanent building, but it was, it was mobile before that. I was only at one place prior to that, but I've heard the stories and it just made me think about, um, let's just make this correlation that uh, a a typical small business customer or client that would be the 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 church going public. We could call it the congregation, but 
but but anybody that, that that's that's heard about the church comes and experiences service hopefully you're, you're wanting to for them to come back and they become a repeatable client they didn't just eat the restaurant one mm-hmm. time but they came more than once you know hopefully they love the restaurant so much or the church they they've told their friends and, and that's you know that's sort of the goal so let's let's so what we call that a, a congregate what we call that is, is that the term we would use here yeah. congregate okay yeah, congregate, a tender yeah okay a tender i like a tender so you know as as i was hearing the, the 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 story around this church moving over these years and even where it sits today yeah my question is um one of the the, the biggest things we all think about and, and work around in small business is how do we get our customer um mm-hmm. and 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 in in small business world you know lead generation is is a, mm-hmm. is a big term we use and it's almost like, uh, hey, if I can get, you know, in our business, property management, if we can get uh, 20 solid leads and we can close 30% of those leads, then we've now got six customers. They're mm-hmm. coming back to us. Um, they're, 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 they're buying our service. Well, d- different in the church world um, because they don't buy the service. It, it's free. Mm-hmm. It's free. They get to come and enjoy and it's a different process by which they may contribute um but uh i guess that my, my question is what number one what is the 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 name the the two top things you think have been the church's your church harvest points lead generator <laughs> if call it that but, mm-hmm. but you, you get the you get the contextual comparison here yeah yeah i would say the first is geographic location. I mean, like a small business. I mean, I, I see this all the time. You, you see a restaurant that's been seven different restaurants and it keeps closing and reopening and becoming another restaurant. And whenever you see the restaurant, you think it's not going to make it here. Like it's right. a terrible location. It's right. just not going to work. And then it closes down and somebody else rents it and you're like, I don't understand. And so, I mean, I think like that, location does matter for a church and for the people they're reaching. And so, you know, there's all sorts of studies and data, you know, how far will people drive to attend a local church? Right. Um, and the reality is, you know, when the church is in Eagles Landing, people from Stockbridge, you know, right. 10, 15 minutes, not bad at all. When you move down to where we are now, it could be 25 to 30. Are most people going to drive 25 to 30 minutes to church? each week for a long-term period? No. They're, I mean, they're not going to. Right. Um, and so I would say for our current property, when the church moved to its location in this new community, um, one of the biggest things has been people just driving by saying, oh, there's a new church right near my house. Like maybe they grew up going to church, uh, having some memories and said, you know, maybe I have kids now, I should get back into it. Maybe they just said, I don't know. I'm interested. I'll check it out. I mean, so a fair amount of our uh, foot traffic or just kind of attendees off the street would be people who, who just heard about the church in the community or saw it or, you know, came to some community event there and then said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try it out um, because people want a church that kind of in their community, because, you know, part of being the church is being physically gathered together, being, the community of Jesus Christ, loving the people around you. And so the closer you are to a church, the more involved you can be. 
Um, so one, one is location. People just kind of saying, I saw it. I thought it was interesting. I grew up maybe United Methodist or whatever. Uh, then the second would be by far, um, people personally inviting other people. Um, it is, you know, we, we do, we do marketing in different ways. But when you have a friend say, Hey, I'd love for you to come to my church. It's very different than getting something in the mail because as y'all probably know, if you've been to that's a warm churches, lead, that's a really warm, that's a hot lead. Yeah. Yeah. And if you've been to 10 different churches, you know that honestly, when you walk into a church, you have no idea what to expect. Right. I mean, there's a lot of differences and there's, uh, you know, I don't want to say good churches and bad churches. I'll say some of the theology is maybe not, uh, not the sharpest or I don't know, but people want to go to a church where, you know, they, they know somebody already. So when they show up, they're not anonymous in a crowd, but they have somebody to see. Yeah, they're not, they're not, they're comfortable. People don't want to be uncomfortable. So if there's somebody they know, then that, that gives them some connectivity to comfort. Yeah. So I would say those two, those two are definitely the biggest, the biggest ways that we reach, we reach new attendees and people get connected. All right. So some, some thoughts just out of that, just because I go to church, do we have directional signs at the two main roads adjacent to our, to our, to our street that just had something nice that we've, that the owners allow us to put there? We don't, when I, it's been mentioned from time to time. Oh, we're getting it done. Oh, the. I'm getting it the done. Owner, the owner wouldn't let us, or it was years ago, but you know, property switches hands so much. Yeah. Remind um, me, remind me, we're going to get that done. <laughs> if we got, no, okay, seriously. Yeah, I, we're, we're, off, we're off the beaten path a little bit. We, all, mean, we are. We're not on the main thoroughfare. We are. Those other so. two main roads having some decent directionals, and then, then having a, just a really great something that they see when they pass uh, is, is important. But mm-hmm. it, and what's interesting is you were talking about, you know, just people seeing the church. Our church is not the easiest to see, but, I, but I'm a motorcycle rider, and we go all over the country on motorcycle rides. And one of the things we look for on all these back roads are old churches. Like, we love to see mm-hmm. all the, the little tucked-in churches in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and just vividly in my mind, I can recall in these mountain uh, areas where this church would have 10 directionals. You'd be all over the mountainside, mm-hmm. and that church had directionals to get you to their mm-hmm. church in the middle of nowhere. And it just made mm-hmm. reminded me. Yeah, that's that's uh, it is true. People people mm-hmm. need to know you're there, and, and and they might come if it's easily accessible. Yeah, and so. one of the things we do for so I many directionals and signage is huge for that. And then for people inviting friends, I mean, we try to do, give people tools from time to time, like little invitation cards that have a map, that have the time, have the website, so that people, when they invite somebody, can put something in their hand and say, "Hey, I'd love for you to come to my church." You know. You can check it out online. Now, a lot of people, they'll listen to a sermon online. They'll go check out the Facebook page before they, before they ever even step foot on our campus because they kind of want to get a feel for what, what they're going to be stepping into. Well, let me go before, before Travis is ready to jump in. I got to say one more thing just, just to, to let our thousands of audience listeners know <laughs> tens of thousands, tens of thousands that, uh, that, that, that Harvest Point is, it is a very huggy, church and the reason is because it's just real it's easy uh it's it's uh there's no facade uh truth is being spoken jonathan does a great job of speaking truth um it's just an easy place to be so if anybody just 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 wants to remove all of the barriers that 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 we all feel going into a new place 
I would feel like that this is kind of why I went to this church to begin with because the mm-hmm. it's very Come on, be our guest. This is this is your invitation. If yeah. you're praying for a sign from God. This podcast is it. Yeah, come on in. I mean, it's just a really easy place to be at. And uh, so anyway, that's my plug. Go ahead, Travis. All right. So let's get back to business, John. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate all that. And I'm sure I'm sure it's true. Ha- having said that, the only person I know from your church is Joe. So, <laughs> I, you know, I'm looking at this with a more critical eye at this point with you, Jonathan. Um, in all seriousness, so I used to be a part of a church that had a couple different campuses. And one of the things mm-hmm. that I felt like they did really, and they really adopted a lot of business principles. In fact, uh, the pastor would on a regular basis distribute top business books and would have the staff read Mm -hmm. it and and get into that. One of the things we would do is we would kind of secret shop the other campus. You know, we'd sort Mm -hmm. of, oh, hey, I just come by to see you. I mean, they knew who we were, but we'd come out, I'm just coming out to see you guys today. How things going? Just come, I hadn't seen you in a while since you broke off and started this new campus. And what we were there to do, we were there to review Mm. Uh, the process, you know, when we get out of the car, um, are we greeted? You know, the, the experience, you've done all this work or you've had a friend. And I know as a, and in all seriousness, I know you as a pastor take that, that guy who does bring his friend to church. I know that's a very serious moment uh, for, mm. for the whole church. Mm-hmm. And I know for you, especially the new guy. So what feel do you get? What kind of independent or what sort of review do you do of the actual experience at church. Do you, do you have anything like that or? Yeah. Yeah. So we have what, what's called, you call mystery worshiper. Um, and so our, our church is, uh, part of the United Methodist denomination. So, you know, it's like, you know, being part of a business, you know, you could think of Baptist churches as generally more independent, small businesses, Methodist churches are more part of a network. And, um, and so as part of our network, um, we do, we do send money up the ladder in the denomination to be, to fund projects all over the world. But one of the things they do is help provide us resources, teaching, equipping. And so one of the resources they provide us are mystery worshipers who are people, uh, throughout the state who used to submit a request saying, we want a mystery worshiper within about the next eight weeks. They come and they fill out an extensive report and, and they send it to you. They send you the honest truth of what their experience was. And then from there, you know, we'll make changes or be alerted to different things. You know, they'll say something like, you know, the, the toilet didn't flush properly or nobody greeted me or we love this or we didn't love that. And so, I mean, that's one way we get honest feedback because, you know, most of the time if a visitor comes and they have a bad experience, they're not going to tell us, right? I mean, they're just not going to come they just back. Don't, they just don't come back. So, again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's one small way, which I would say we do about once a year. Um, so it's not a very, um, it's not a very regular feedback loop, but that is one that we do have in place. He just made a comparison there. I thought was interesting. It, it, so really the, in the United Methodist church, I would say that the, each individual church is more like a franchise. Right. If you're comparing it to a business. Right. They, they, they are paying yeah. into the franchisor for the bigger mm-hmm. resources that, 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 you know, that, that you would get from a, you know, from a McDonald's corp, you're getting, you know, some, some national advertising. If it's McDonald's, you're getting, and of some, course the, the, the metaphor does break down, but yeah, I mean, it, it, no, is it in does. terms of, in terms of networking, but, and well, I was financially speaking, get to the church financially as well. Um, yeah. And so also there are benefits like, 
Um, right now, one of the things in the midst of the COVID-19, the denomination said uh, for our area, hey, we know money's going to get tight. We're going to pay part of your health insurance for the next three months so that your local church doesn't have to oh, cool. as a way to help relieve some pressure. So, you know, they're, 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 um, yeah, so there's a lot of resources and benefits in different ways being part of a larger organization than just one local body. Yeah. I've, I've appreciated, uh, uh, the organization just, just, uh, in, in Steven, the former pastor, as he was, uh, I, I was got to spend some time with him as 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 in the, probably the previous six months or year prior to him leaving, and just understanding how all that took place and why it took place. It, I really, you know, gained some respect around having this large organization that's kind of looking at the whole, the whole, uh, I guess, district, but all of their little sm- small business churches. I I, I know that's. Not exactly, but, but the churches, all the churches that are out there, they're looking at all this thing in a, in a bigger view and be able to make decisions around that. It's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, they collect data too, right? I mean, that's another, that's another thing that corporately they do. Now, a quick question about just off the top of my head, they, as far as kind of the power and influence that sort of Methodist corporate would have uh, in thinking about the franchise type model, do you guys, are you still mandate as far as your stay at this church? I mean, is there a time period on it? Do they move, do you still move around based on kind of Methodist corporate? Is is that how it works or am yeah, I thinking of yeah. somebody else? You, no, no, you're exactly right. Yeah, our our denomination has a system to deploy pastors called itinerancy. And so instead of a church calling or hiring a pastor um, like Baptist and Presbyterian churches, churches are sent a pastor. Um, by the denomination. And so we are sent generally year to year to the church. And every year there's a consultation period where the church, uh, a body, uh, a leadership team at the church says, Hey, we want our pastor to stay. We want our pastor to leave. We don't care. It's fine. Um, and the pastor <laughs> fills out the same form and, and then they, the higher ups get together, um, and they make decisions for the sake of all of the churches in the northern half of Georgia to, to figure out who's best where. With that said, it used to be pastors stayed about three years. Now, generally, I would say they stay on average four to seven years um, at each church. And they, they found through just different statistics that the longer a pastor stays, um, it, it can tend to, to make the church, help the church be more healthy. Yeah, yeah, but at some point... Uh when any leadership in any type of business stays too long, it actually can start to get stale. So new, new, mm-hmm. new blood is good. So I, I think it's a, a valid model. Uh, if you look in any, yeah, it's definitely, it has, its, it has its benefits and it has, its, it has its pros and it has its cons for sure. Yeah. I mean, one, one benefit is there's pretty much never a United Methodist church that does not have a pastor. Um, whereas, uh, just say a, a Baptist church, Eagles Landing First Baptist right now, I believe they're still looking for a senior pastor. I mean, that's a very difficult to find somebody, and you could be months without a senior leader, and so you have to have interims and stuff like that. And so in ours, generally every church has a pastor um, at all times. I can say from my perspective, as I thought about this over the years, the biggest benefit that I see is that, and this is probably talking more more even of your uh, non-affiliated churches, but but where the pastor 
can go rogue in their complete control of the church and mm-hmm. and there's no governing body to mm-hmm. to protect that church um yeah it, and i mean if you think of it in small business terms you know, some people having kind of accountability above them and around them, it can feel very threatening and like a straitjacket. Other people, it can really help them thrive and and help them go further and faster. And so, um, yeah, you know, it's kind of each, uh, I guess each person decides, you know, what kind of church do I want to be in, or pastors particularly, what kind of denomination do I want to be a part of? Um, and, uh, yeah, makes for makes for interesting times. Well, Jonathan, what where do you think we're headed in terms of that philosophy with church life? Because I know you know I know a number of pastors and different denominations, and then guys who are uh, you've already said I guess, that independent. Uh, I mean, have I mentioned I know a lot of them? <laughs> yeah, you have. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> we'll edit that out. <laughs> the question was, when the organization kind of goes rogue to Joe, actually a counterpoint to Joe's Joe's point. So make sure we get this now. So when the organization kind of goes rogue, it has a mm. perhaps a bigger effect than when the independent single church goes rogue, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if, if, if there's a governing body that kind of gets off the charts, let's say from your vantage point theologically, right? I guess that would be the biggest mm-hmm. thing. Then, uh, I mean, what concerns are there being a part of a huge organization? Again, we could be talking to the guy that owns the McDonald's that, you know, is being required by McDonald's corporate to sell the new product that he doesn't like or whatever, mm-hmm. but how, how does that work for you? And yeah. where do you see this headed? I mean, is there a consent? Is, is the church moving towards corporatization or is it moving towards independent churches? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, when say somebody like myself, you know, when I was ordained, I, I basically pledged allegiance to the church that I'm a part of and to, to be under their authority and accountability. And so I think generally when, when pastors or a local church parishioners or whoever feel like, okay, whatever the denomination is doing is not in sync with me. You know, I think the thing with integrity to do is, well, one, you try to change it from within if you can. And if it comes to a point where you say, Hey, we're, we're different, then you need to step out, you know, and not go rogue yourself. Um, but just say, you know, this is a new season, but I would say generally churches in the 1950s or so became very, uh, corporately structured, structured, having larger bureaucracies above the local church and different groups here and there. Um, but I would say generally the trajectory isn't independent churches, but it is, it, I would say networked churches. So churches who are affiliated, who are working together, and denominations becoming more nimble and getting rid of some of the the layers at the top, because especially, I mean, just with, with finances and other things, it's so hard to maintain these big bureaucratic structures. So generally, I do see a paring down and saying, look, how can we all support one another? and help each other meet our goals um, without having too much extra structure above. So I don't think the move is independent, but I, I think it's more networking and aligning with like-minded churches and people to get things done. I think that, and I think that mirrors business also. I mean, what happens in big corporate America is, you know, 
just like in big government, big government, big corporate, they actually like to build more corporate and more government. The bigger it gets, the mm. more it likes to create. So what, what has happened, uh, think about like Motorola. My dad worked for Motorola for 40 years. Um, they just got massive in, 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 in his lifetime at, at that company. There were many, uh, at least three or four times that I can remember that it was a, okay, it's time to strip back, you know, get more simplified, cut middle management, mm-hmm. cut layers, get streamlined, get, mm-hmm. get refocused on who we are and what we're doing. Let's be more about the product and the business and less about, about the structure. Um, and then it just, over time, it builds itself back up again and then boom, it, you know, it, and so I think, I think that, that sort of mirrors to some degree what you're talking yeah. about. It, you, you and, just, I would, and I would say we're in a streamlining season generally in the American church right now. And partially that's because financially, a lot of the models are just unsustainable. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. uh, it, it, there, there's a lot of funding that, that's, a, that's needed to, to, to keep all the layers intact. Um, so that's, that's interesting. You've, uh, uh, Jonathan, if, if, uh, you know, with the COVID-19 thing going, mm-hmm. um, what would be, I mean, you're talking to, you know, let's just call our audience, the congregation here. What, what, what should they, uh, and they are, they're our customers. I like that. So it's our congregation. What, I mean, it is. It's, 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 the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the church of small business today. By the way, tithing is way down in our congregation. <laughs> Zero. We, we haven't got, nobody's paid us to nobody's do this. We're not getting paid to do this, Travis. No, there's no money, Jonathan. Holy cow. We got to work on that. Well, we're working on it. Uh, so if, if the audience, the tens of thousands of folks listening to us right now, if, if they are the congregation, um, and we're, we're in, in this world of a lot of uncertainty, uh, we, really nobody that I've talked to can, can compare this in their lifetime to anything uh, similar. I mean, we could go back to the, to, to the previous crash, but it really is not similar. Uh, it's a very different reason. And so the, the, you know, the outcomes here look potentially different, but you know, there's a lot of people in small business in particular, uh, who are very worried about their, uh, their business, their restaurant, their, their employees. Um, a lot of, a lot of other churches out there are, are, are probably trying to wonder how they're even going to pay the next, uh, you know, utility bill. You know, what would be uh, your advice? What would be some thoughts, some, something that you could share that would give some encouragement to them? Um, well, from a pastoral perspective, I would say, Hey, don't ever forget God is with us. God is for us. His grace is enough to sustain us in the midst of, of any trials like this. Um, so that, you know, that I'd have my pastoral advice. Um, and then I would have, okay, maybe more organizational advice or small business advice. Um, and, and, you know, I've had to do kind of both in the last two weeks because, you know, immediately our, you know, our biggest thing each week is an in-person gathering of over a hundred people. So immediately we can't do that anymore. Um, people need to be comforted and we're, you know, we're doing that. And one of the things I'm doing is a, a, a weekly uh, prayer, prayer time on Facebook live, which is helping me to kind of help address people's anxieties and point them to Jesus. But then, I would say organizationally, the number one thing 
No, no, now wait a minute. I'm gonna stop you there because here's what we're going. I want you. Well, you are preaching to your congregation right now. Give us comfort, Jonathan. Oh, okay. Give us comfort. <laughs> give give us the give us the email live right now. You want the truth, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> the I want your beautiful emails, but I want it live. <laughs> um, I, you know, like I said, I say God is with us. God is for us. He's going to get us through this. Um, I would say right now, I think the most loving thing you can do is, is to stay at home, separate from yourself. And um, that even though we are now socially isolated from one another, um, this is a time for us to lean into our faith, to grow closer to God than we ever had before, to lean on Him, not on our own understanding, not on our own abilities, because right now we're all flat on our face, basically. And our illusions of control, our illusions that everything's going to be okay, and that we can just build it ourselves, they're gone. And so I think, hey, we have to lean into our faith and um, trust that, that Jesus is enough and He's going to get us through this. And if if we get sick and we don't get through this, that even then we're going to be with Jesus on the other side of eternity. Um, and that, that we need each other during this time. And so let's lean into one another. Let's lean into our relationship with God. And um, and let's love our neighbors in the midst of it. Because this, um, I think this is going to be a time where when the season's over, we'll, we'll see some churches who hunkered down and just focused on you know, keeping the lights on and saying hello to one another. And there's going to be churches that see this as an opportunity for mission, to serve the community, to love people, to help meet people in crisis. And which church are, are we going to be? I want to be the church that's loving the community that's out there that was known for stepping up during this time, not not stepping back. So that's my that's my quick quick advice to comfort with the challenge in it as well. Yeah, I like the uh, the lean in, uh, the lean in there. I like the the what I what I visualize. Don't get six feet, by the way. We no, no closer than six mm. feet when you lean in. Mm-hmm. But lean in. Yeah. Um, Travis and I talked about this last week on the on the, on the beautiful podcast that we didn't post, guys. The unpublished. The unpublished podcast. 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 Man, that, I didn't think that'd become worth some money one day. It could be. It the could be that 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 wow. too. Our millions Our of God. listeners will be will yeah. be premium subscription material. Oh. But right now. We'll just give them a little clip of it. The lean in made me think of, um, you know, we, we had a conversation about if we all just throw our hands up and sort of uh, decide that, well, this is it. You know, this is this is going to mess us up. We're not going to be able to, you know, our business is going to fall. Um, we're not going to be able to pay the bills. Uh, folks are not going to come anymore. If we, you know, if we just, if we sort of give up on it, then in fact, that will occur. And if we all do that, then we're going to create, uh, even as president Trump has said, a, a, a much bigger problem than the, the coronavirus problem. Um, we've got to lean into and get creative around what we're doing in our work. Um, all these services are still needed. We still need God. We still need emotional connections. We still need, you know, our trash taken out. We still need, uh, you know, if our, if our, if our faucet leaks, we need it fixed and we still need services. This stuff is not going away, but what it does do is it, it, it calls for us to, to lean in and, and grow inside of our own business to figure out how we can service the need, but still keep 
the the public protected. But if we if we don't lean in, then then the results I think are much worse. I mean, I think we've got to to keep going at it. Keep keep you know acting like that this this is going to go away and it's going to be fine. But the longer that we uh, that we that we sort of sit back and not do much, the more issues that can occur out of it. And that's just uh, leaning in, Travis. Travis is, is like stretching his but, arms like he's but tired. Not, not six feet. Lean in. No. Just just right before six feet. <laughs> so how how has y'all's business been pivoting in the last two weeks? I mean, we we've got a lot of uncertainty around uh, uh, folks paying rent, and there's been some stuff floated out there that's that's not uh, you know been put into law or anything, but that you know in certain areas, I think you know rent. Uh, is being uh, protected. Uh, if you hadn't paid the rent, you can't evict. I mean, those kind of things. So there's been, there's a lot of unknowns around some of the tenant base. Uh, we feel like that a lot of the lower price point homes are going to be affected more. Uh, they have less margin. You know, they start getting their hours cut, losing, losing jobs. Their rent's not going to come in. And then we have small owners. Most of our owners are small owners, meaning they're not big corporate owners. And so, you know, how do they sustain the expenses on these homes without rent? So we, we, we have some fears around that. Um, we are working mostly from home, and uh, that's worked out. We, we've been prepared to do that. I've been prepared to do that for years. Uh, even the last crisis, there were some issues where snow days and stuff like that. Our business actually grows immensely in storms, and so we can't not be working. So we had to get prepared for that years ago. But uh, um, so that's happening, but but it's it's the fear among our main core business, which is we collect rent. And uh, you know, if the government says you can't evict for the next you know, ninety days or one hundred twenty days, that's that that's a strong statement towards our ability to 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 actually collect the ones that don't pay, and that 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 trickles down. So that's that's sort of the the biggest fear in our business. So. Travis, you got anything else? That's it, man. Hey, I appreciate your time, Jonathan. That was very insightful. And, uh, man, I tell you what, I, uh, I learned a lot in terms of how a pastor would see the congregation and how the pastor would see the church inside of the, uh, the church world. And I actually, I think, I think after all this, it's a little closer than I thought it was. And I appreciate the answer too. Um, the core answer being that the church doesn't run off a, a P and L of, of money. And that is the biggest distinguishing feature. Um, but you know, maybe I mean, do we? We never quite answered that part of it. Do we? Do, do we, we run? Is that? Do we run off? Of, well, you didn't run off a of PNL in a few years back, but, but totally we absolutely run that, off of PNL right that's now. That's totally unnecessary. We got real numbers. Wow. And we wouldn't know what to do without them. Wow. I was here to serve people is what I was here to do. <laughs> so I, I didn't I didn't know that. There you go. Yeah. Tra- Travis was more in the congregational church business I was back more when in I met service him. Service business, Jonathan. I like to make the, the, the customers happy. Joe's all about the money. I'll do the Sorry. work. Yeah. And no, 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 no. I'm just trying to keep the doors open. All about the money. Trying to keep the doors open. But, uh, Jonathan Anderson, we appreciate your time today from Harvest Point United Methodist Church, the lead pastor. Uh, it's been a great talk, and uh, we'll talk to you soon again. We got the truth. Yes, sir. We got the truth. We got the truth. A small business. We got the truth. We got the truth. 
We got the big truths of small business sponsored by Yes, I Rent. Yes, I Rent. Yes, I Rent Property Management. We place good tents and collect your rent. Maintain your properties and account for it. Truth. We got the truth. We got the truths. We got the big truths. Small business sponsored by Yes, I Rent. That's a a long song. Thanks, Jonathan. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Appreciate it, guys. (laughs) Thanks, man. Bye. All right.